but football is out finding them. You play a football match, it's out finding them. It can be the greatest game in the world, but there's no people left to watch it, it becomes nothing. And to Johnson. What's happening, guys? Uh, Tuesday TikTok, uh, a festive welcome to all the viewers and uh, to you guys as well. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we've got a full house, man. Paddy, McGinty, James, and Daza. How you all doing? And Merry Christmas. <coughs> that's brutal, there, Paddy. I don't know what you got catching on, but that's, that sounds brutal, mate. Uh, I'm all good, Gav. Happy to be here and absolutely excited to get everybody on, especially Daza, man. It's been a long time. Welcome back. Cheers, mate. Merry Christmas, everyone. And I hope you all had a ball and Santa was good to you. I was going to ask that, James. Was Santa good to you? Santa was good to me, mate. He got me two weeks off school, so that's the main thing. That's all I can ask for. James, do you still believe? I still believe, mate. I still believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paddy, how you doing, mate? Have you taken your tree down yet? Oh, mate, I don't know. I've been fucked for the last fucking five days or something. I'm just going to beat myself all night and just sit here nodding. Aye. Right. Happy, happy holidays and Christmas, got jazz. Hi, uh, Tim the Years. Hope you're all doing well. Hit that like button if you can. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, a lot of familiar faces, and I hope you all had a smashing Christmas for you and your family. Um, by the way, I had a steak pie uh, for Christmas dinner. Just putting that out there. I know that's made of a New Year's dinner, but that's what I had. So there you go. Did so you what you having? You having? Uh, so you having turkey for Christmas? For New Year, I'll tell you what, though, guys. Up in Shetland, I was a butcher down the road, obviously, brought up in Glasgow. So, steak pie at New Year's a tradition, as far as I'm concerned. I think you all nod along. <laughs> I came up here, it started being a butcher in 2014 in a, one of the local shops. And it comes to New Year's, am I right? How are we getting this stew all made up? How are we getting all the, the steak pies all ordered up? And you know, do you want me to come in for extra hours? after work like after five to to help set up and get all the prep done and they're looking at me funny i'm like what what have i said what do you mean steak pie for new year's that's, what's that all about never heard of that before in my life i'm like the fuck sort of place is this who doesn't have a steak pie for new year's day or new year's eve whatever one of the two uh, vegetarians mate screw them we didn't have mutton up there uh, mutton's a big thing. Uh, Restip mutton soup, absolutely lovely. Uh, if you love your salt, definitely. Um, but that's a good soup. But other than that, no. Anyway, we're here to talk about Celtic. I think a few things have happened this week, Gav. Do you want to fill us in? Not that way. Not that way. But we'll talk about Fucking. Time for the stuffing. Right, where's oh, those gems again? Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, it's been... It's been a long time before we've had five on, and now we've spent the last the first four minutes talking about mutton soup. 
Magic. I'm getting filled in. Oh, Craig Davis style. Right. Uh, to the football, to the football. So, we've obviously got a game that happened in the Christmas Eve. We've got a game tomorrow night against Hibs. And, of course, we've got the derby looming on the 2nd of January. Um, and we've got other things like transfer rumours and whatnot. So, why don't we just... Uh, start with what's passed already. Um, Celtic four, St Johnson one at Parkhead. Uh, Daza and James, I think you two were at it as well as myself. Is that right? I I was at the game. Aye. Fast forward into the end. I never saw a proper close up of the 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 Turnbull challenge on the goalkeeper. Apparently, the, the general consensus is it was a justified red. I know that VAR took its time. I've not seen a proper close-up. I, I like to be sure, but I didn't really see many complaints from either parties, so uh, I guess we just need to take on the chin. He's going to miss at least the next two games. It would have been good to kind of rotate him for at least the Hibs game anyway, but uh, back to the actual game itself. A bit of, a bit of entertainment. Uh, so, Hatate Hatate actually shown why he was labelled the utility player. So he played at right back for a change, but he did very well. He grabbed two goals. And Kyogo got two goals as well. A nice confidence builder. Uh, James, what was your thoughts on the game itself? I it's I thought we're comfortable. I think it's the best we've played for for at least a, well probably in a good couple of months anyway. Uh, never really under any danger. I don't like the fact that we're kind of struggling to keep clean sheets the new. Uh, but aye, it was easy one. We're never really under any pressure. And dare I say that's the best attack he's played this season, playing for right back. Oh, you know what that ha- what happens then? If a utility player does well playing outside his natural position, then he might struggle to get back to the midfield. Uh, Daza, though, a bright performance all around. Maybe a wee bit disappointing with the, the goal that we scored. Hart did pull off two good saves in the build-up to the goal, but the final one, he kind of parried it straight in front of the, 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 the striker's uh, pathway to score. But overall, can't well, complain too much. I'm not going to give Hart stinking for that one because... If he saved it once and he saved it twice, then there should be a defender. That's a defender had three chances to see what's happening and close that down, and that didn't happen. I don't know if it, I don't know if that was just a case that you're already four nothing up, but the game's not any jeopardy. There's no point doing anything stupid, i.e., get in with a daft challenge. So you know, you just you half-heartedly deal with it, which led to a goal. Um, but I wasn't too concerned about that at the time. I was just like, oh well. Um, everything, everything that we are done on Saturday was all right, apart from taking forever and a day to come to the decisions that should have been done before the celebration was finished. So after now, so after goal, as you're looking at the goal, I think while the players are celebrating, the VR people, in fact, do you know what? I'm going to swear the VR cunts because that's what they are. Hey, what's um, your language? The main one. <laughs> I know, I've just seen that. Um, the VAR people should be looking at that, and then by the time that the players are celebrated, the balls went back to the centre circle. Then the decision should be made at on or off. And that second goal, Stevie Wonder could have seen that it was onside. So how that took two, or three minutes to get to that decision, I'll never know. But all the big calls, all the goal, the goals that were scored that were checked. The sending off in reflection was probably a sending off, even though I was shouting dogs abuse at the stadium at the time. Um, in reflection and having watched the sports scene, then everything was right, in my opinion. McGinty, um, Paddy, who was your man of the match for the game? I would probably have to go along with, I think it was announced to the stream, as Rio Hitati. Um, 
I think he did pretty solid. I think overall the team played pretty well. I was quite chuffed. Second half, we kind of took our foot off the gas almost, especially the changes. Things just didn't seem as fluid. But overall, I thought we played really well uh, the other day. Um, I'm going to touch on VAR slightly. Don't know if you guys want to labour on about it later on, but you know me, I'll happily come in for a bit of tinfoil hat rage and rants. But I agree with with the sentiment of the red card and what uh, Daz is saying there about all the calls. They were all correct, but it's how they went about doing them is an absolute farce. If you take the two goals for us, they were both correct, but they took absolutely ages and it didn't look like or it didn't feel like they were checking the offside. It looked like they were minutely analysing each point of that goal to see how can we chop it off. Instead of using VAR to confirm yes or no, they're looking for ways to chop it off. Point in case in that one is when they scored, they, uh, they instantly wanted to chop it off I think it was, but then they had to come around and say, oh, actually, no, it is on, because we realised, because, uh, no, it is. It's just far too quick to call one thing and not quick enough to call something else. And it seems to always go in a weird way against us. Um, as for the red card, I do agree. It's a red card every day of the week. But the ref's seen it, and the ref booked him. And we're always told if the ref's seen it and dealt with it, it's not an obvious error. So why is VAR getting involved? And if VAR is getting involved, and it's calling that a red card, and can I ask about staff help being stamped on? Geo Mac is getting a boot to the chest. Uh, Hart getting studied in the face by Stephen Fletcher in the United game. And I can also ask why we're getting all goals, yet other teams aren't getting scrutinised in the same way. And you forgot Lundstrom in the UEFA Cup final when he, he actually killed that, that goalkeeper. Um to be I, fair, that's in UEFA games. I'm just talking about the SPFL at this point and the, that we're using. See, see the one that Thundle got sent off for, right? The, the karate kick on the goalkeeper. Do you remember back a couple of seasons ago? And it was Kamal Roof. I'm sure it was a COVID season, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kamal Roof did the exact same thing. And uh, he literally burst the goalkeeper's face wide open. Right. Nothing done about it. it. It's the fact that some of them are getting reviewed and told, nah, nah, you're fine, don't worry about it, which I think was the case with Jim Mackers, we we are a foot to the chest, and other ones aren't even getting looked at, i.e. Fletcher on heart, and then the start fails, start. they're just not looking at Why is VAR not actually, if VAR's, if VAR's not meant to correct a referee's call, then why is it getting involved the other day when you book Turnbull, because clearly the ref saw it. But if it is getting involved when it thinks it should be a red card, then why is it not dishing out a red card against Giamakis and against Starfield. Mental. Um, what I would say, by the way, in, t- in terms of man in the match, I know that Cal McGregor, sorry, I know that Rio Hitati grabbed the headlines. I thought McGregor was outstanding. I was watching him and he was just quietly putting a shift in. He's just such... See, whenever you look at him and his position and you look at the, the, the rest of the players around him, is there anyone who has accomplished as much as what Callum McGregor is at what he does on the park, even in the entire league? I know that a lot of people say that he's he's the best in the entire league, and I, just watching how, how he goes about doing his job, how he makes everything so simple, I know that that's a bit of a cliche when you talk about Callum McGregor, but on the Christmas Eve when I was watching him, I thought he was, he was brilliant, not really grabbing headlines, as I said, but I think he's by far the most accomplished player out of all his peers in Scotland. And one thing I will say, which I found really annoying, and it's, a, it's a, actually a music thing. Um, you know that Daft Celtic song, um, the, the, the Abada song, like he's on the wing doing his thing. 
So I heard that that was offered a, a scooter song. Um, anyone here with like, bad music taste that can back me up in this, yeah? Right, so after somebody that spoke... Indeed, mate. That indeed. Right, so they played the actual scooter song on the tannoy. It's fucking horrible, man. Who listens to that type of music? And if anybody takes hey. offense, then you should be ashamed. It's... Uh, what's scooter all about, man? The song is... You want me? His name is Rio. Was that all right? Aye. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Blondie, James, you're a bit too young to know that song. <laughs> so, obviously, you will make Scott Brown's testimonial. <laughs> no. Oh, I guess Scott Brown was. Uh, after, the, after the game, it was just a, it was just a scooter concert or the Tannoy. Um, <laughs> is that not the man who went like to the commentator or something? Just get fucking scooter on. Ah, yeah. Ah, that's not the last game at Park Heat, isn't it? No, I'm going to go against the grain here and say I think Scooter's brilliant. If you're doing any sort of gym work or any running or all that, get Scooter on and you'll bring, you'll bring your 5k time down to about 22 <laughs> minutes. Fair Even for I a fat guy like, like me. <laughs> I would just like to say that other crappy house music is available. We aren't endorsing Scooter by any chance, just in case. <laughs> Scooter, are you ready? <laughs> uh, I think Woods is backing up in this one. But anyway, each to their own. Each to their own. Um, right, guys. Um, recent news. Uh, so we have been linked with um, another Japanese guy, uh, Iwate. I'm sure everybody's heard the joke. Feel free to say the joke again. Um, so this guy, Iwate, from Yoko, Yokohama Marinos. I think Ange actually signed him. And so a few questions about this. So it raises the, kind of, kind of touching on that he's a, a centre midfielder and it raises the fact that Gucci, the rumours, are probably coming to fruition that he's going to go back to Japan. And we've also heard reports that the deal that we've got Abligar on, we are able to terminate that loan deal. We don't have to keep him until the end of the season and we can send him back to his parent club. So two potential outgoings. And this new guy coming in, Iwate. So has anyone done the, the YouTube scouting? They can actually give us a lowdown on what type of player he appears to be, at least on YouTube. Seems all right. Yeah, I've been following this guy for a few years and he's uh, he's going to be a star. <laughs> uh, he's, going, he's going to the top. Right, well, he looks like a defensive midfielder. I don't know what age he is. I'd imagine, like, youngish in his 20s. He's, uh, he's um, 25, Gav. And I've not felt, the... no felt the need to scout uh, YouTube now that Angie's a manager. If Angie's bringing them in, I, I trust it straight away and I'll just wait and see what happens in the hooks. Well, touching on Angie's judgment, my question was, has An Ange learnt from the Gucci and Abligor errors? And is this a Wattie swoop, is this going to be different? Is this guy is this guy got something that his two predecessors doesn't have? I'm not even going to mention Scott Robertson who's leaving and McCarthy who's still kicking about in the corridors. But has Ange learned something, Daza? Do you feel? I don't think um, there's anything to be learned for no, because his strike rate for um, players that's worked is still above question. So the ones that have come in and know what they kind they kind of can go into the background and you're like, all right, fair enough, it's no work. See you later. So he's got enough um, goodwill to no question the bad ones, if that makes sense. 
there does. James, have you seen much of the boy and have you got much expectations? I've not seen a thing about him, mate, to be honest. The last couple of days have been spent building toys. But, hey, no, eh, aye, as Daz says, aye, pretty much, aye. No, you've got to, got to trust the judgment. But I think it's harsh to hold the Idiguchi one against against the manager because he has been really unlucky with injuries. Eh, the Abelgard one, can I have to pass judgment on it? We haven't really seen enough. And as much as he's not been a standout, he's not really been terrible. You can't really fault him, I suppose. Eh, but I, we need a defensive midfielder. I've said it for a while. I'd like to see us bring one in. Obviously, I think there's some there that should be should be gone out. But uh, <laughs> oh, aye, no, 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 no. aye, Aaron Lee. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this guy, this guy last season, Gav, uh, got the the player of the year, basically the, the most valuable player in Japan, and I think he done it mostly by playing. He, he, he was kind of deployed between centre back, kind of. Defensive midfielder, if you like to call it that. But the clubs, obviously, I have, I have no fucking knowledge of this guy until his name popped up. And I had to go and have a look at him. Um, he looks decent. He's 25. He's not the, the he's not the tallest of guys, but he's quite quite broad and quite stocky, which is good. Um, he likes to get stuck in. He's no, he doesn't appear to be like a tough tackling guy, but he's he uses his body well as a shield. He intercepts the ball well. He looks as if he gets into the right positions to kind of. To kind of win the ball without having to make a tackle. But what I do like about him, the, the, the kind of snippets that I've saw of him, is as soon as he gets the ball, the transition for him collecting the ball, receiving the ball, or winning the ball, to him making a, a forward thinking pass is it's split second. There's no dilly dallying about it. You know, he looks as if he's going to be a guy that even if he has been deployed as a kind of defensive unit, he's still going to be able to assist in the. the the, making the transition from defence to attack in that kind of sharp moment, which was something that we've kind of spoke about with certain players. Like Stephen Welsh is one of them. Kind of, he takes his time to kind of to get the ball rolling when he gets it as, as such. It's probably the same in all the Abelgard. Abelgard's six foot four. As soon as we heard we were signing him, we were all like, "Oh, that's good. We're getting a big enforcer." But he doesn't seem to be that. He seems to be almost a kind of Busquets type player. Um. So. Aye, so hope, hopefully we're getting the best the best of both worlds with this boy. And it's clear it's clear that Ange wants him. He's already kind of spoke about the fact that they had, they had really done their business early. And that's shown by the signings with Johnson, uh, Kobayashi and new uh, Awata has been announced, or virtually been announced before before the 31st, which is again, it's positive. Aye, I like collective. it. Uh, I like that You've got a guy like Ange who we've spoken on this podcast last year for sure. Is he able to change it? We've all wanted him to bring in a defensive midfielder of some kind, especially for the big games in Europe and whatnot, thinking that we need that kind of combative enforcer of some kind. But we've all recognised at the same time that that's not Ange's style. That doesn't fit his system. And he's tried it with McCarthy. He's tried it with Robertson a little bit. He's tried it with Idiguchi. And he's now um, recently tried it with Abogard. What I love to see is that he is willing to adapt and he's willing to accept that he needs that position to be filled. But he's looking for his version of it. He's realised that those other guys aren't cutting it for various reasons, be it that they've not got the legs for it, be it that they've not got the speed and agility mentally for the passes Paddy was uh, suggesting there that this guy might be able to do, or be it that, you know, injuries to Gucci sort of thing, which is just unfortunate for, for Idiguchi. But we're not 
sitting on it when all pissing around taking taking the cut out of it and thinking oh well one of them will come good give them time give them time we're turning around now by looks and saying look Idiguchi, it's just not working out for anybody off you go wish him all the bell all, all the all the best sorry and Abogad has said we're t- terminating that shot we expect I think that has to wait until January technically to happen and we're moving on and getting the next player in that's gonna he's gonna be slightly different yet again from the last two or three of them and hopefully it now fits into Andrew's system. So he is willing to adapt and add that player in, but he's doing it on his terms, which I love to see. I love to see somebody who's willing to adapt a little bit, but is still finding the perfect part. He's not just putting any old defensive mid in there. Yeah. Uh, building on what you guys said, and by the way, some of the comments are really actually uh, quite detailed. Um, like for, for Kevin Moon, when he was saying about his tackling style, what I've noticed, again, like you can't get too much uh, involved in the YouTube clips, but one thing I noticed was his tackling. He never ever went to ground. He just he had this ability to just kind of nick it off the player as soon as that player got possession. Um, so so that was one thing, and a lot of people have said that the guy is rapid as well, which I could agree upon. Um, and what McGinty was saying about adding another option, I think whenever you see the lineup and you've got O'Reilly, Hitati, McGregor in the midfield, that's that's your preferred three. And there's maybe a danger that from, from a fan's point of view, you think there's maybe a danger that they three guys will be taking it for granted that they're always going to be getting games, unless of course we're, we're playing like two or three games in a week. But what I would like to see is we've got another kind of scenario where we can mix it up. And it's not like if you put in a Turnbull or a McCarthy or a Moy, you're thinking we're, we're going down in quality. I'd like to see a player of equal quality to the three we've got in the midfield, where it's just a different dimension. It's just another option. So I, I would like to see that. And I feel we've not yet had that option in the midfield in terms of people of the same quality, replacing one person for another person, and we're not going down. But one question I've got, and I, uh, I'm opening this up to the viewers, really eager to get your thoughts on this. Now, whenever Ange came in, he spoke about scouting. Obviously, we were kind of uh, enthralled by his, his transfer activity coming from Japan. But he spoke about other countries like South America, the Middle East. We've not so much seen that, apart from maybe Burnaby in South America. We're still waiting for him to kind of come to the fore. But he's been totally plundering the Japanese league. Now, this is going to sound like a negative, but it's more just of an observation. Um, and the, the, the question is, is our kind of continued plundering of the J-League, does it tell us that our scouting is not as diverse as what we were led to believe? Or is it just a winning formula that we should still continue going down that route? Any of you got an opinion on that? Um, like his Johnson, he was in the J-League, wasn't he? But I, many... not, I know what you're saying, but if, if Ange knows the player and that's where he's been, and Ange can see it, and he's and it's the day players have worked for him, and they've they've been a success from the past. Then I'm off for bringing. I, I I would bring the full team of Japanese if they were going to win us the league in Scotland. So I'm not really bothered about the, the diversity of. Um, all right, we can only have a certain amount of players for Japan. Right, we need to have X amount of players for um, Canada. Or just like Sergeant Johnson, we have a certain amount of players for here, there, and everywhere. I'm off for bringing the best players possible in that position available and if they're off of Japan and they all come out here and win as the league then so be it Aye, I think the, the, we have been like to a few South Americans as well obviously we signed uh, Burnaby but before we get Abogard I think basically our number one kind of choice for centre mid was that big Vinicius Souza the Brazilian guy 
I think we're linked with, I can't remember yeah. the guy's name, but I'm sure we're linked with another guy. I want to say it was for Burnaby's team as well. Was it Lanus or something like that? The, the name of the team. But I, I mean, if, but then at the same time, obviously, I know you need homegrown players for the Champions League, but I mean, if you look, I suppose you could maybe to an extent say we've let some go in terms of like Josh Doig and Lewis Ferguson, maybe not so much, but they've all went to, they've went out to Italy. Uh, who was the other one that went to Italy? Aaron Hickey. They've all went to Italy, and don't get me wrong, if we came out and said we'd signed them, I, I wouldn't have been too too chuffed with that, but I mean, they've kicked on in Italy, they're all linked to, was it Lewis Ferguson i seen linked to, was it Inter Milan or something, and uh, that Josh Doig, I think he was linked to Juventus as well or something, uh, no, sorry, it was the other way about, Lewis Ferguson was with Juve and uh, Doig with Milan, but are, are we missing something with them, as the Italian kind of scouts, seen, seen something that we're not seeing there, but as I say, I don't know, that's only really concerned if it gets to Europe uh, with a homegrown quota and things like that. You'll need to start kind of shoehorning players in and leaving other players out. But apart from that, as Stas says, if they're winning the league, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Excuse my ignorance. What is the... I, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I thought it was... I don't think there was a homegrown element anymore. I thought it was just you had to have a, a certain amount of under-21s or now academy players coming through. So kind of, it's this is coming from a football manager days, which is obviously where all the wealth of knowledge comes from. Um, but of your 25 man squad for Europe, you need to have eight players who I think between the age of 15 and 21 it is have to have been trained slash played in in your country in Scotland. And of those eight, four of them have to be at your club. Uh, if you don't meet that quarter for four and eight, then you have to lose a place out of your 25-man score. So if you can't fill the complete eight, you can only register 24, you know, six, 23, so forth. Uh, McGinty, um, totally random, but your man, Craig Gordon, broke his leg. Uh, what was your thoughts on that? I, um, I'm going to take a, a leaf out of Jose Mourinho's book and say that if I say anything, I get into big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Politicians answer. Nah, um, well, in all seriousness, we all know on this podcast, I'm not a fan of Craig Gordon as a goalkeeper at Celtic during his time here. I think he was below par for what people claim he was. He was not terrible. He's a great goalkeeper in his day, but he wasn't He wasn't what we were used to. And we've certainly had better before him and we've certainly got better since he's left. However, regardless of my dislike from as a player, you never want to see that happen to somebody unless they're wearing a certain blue shirt from across the city. You never want to see a guy break his leg. Was it a double leg break at his age? Unfortunately for him, I guess it is. That's his career done. But we've all said that before about Gordon. But, you know, wish him all the best. Very true, very true. And for Frank Vernon, uh, are these J-League players of sufficient calibre to play at the very highest level in Europe? Well, I don't know how many have got caps. Certainly this new guy, I, I've not heard anything. I could be wrong. I don't think he's got any caps for, for Japan. Or is it only a case that they're far too good for the SPL, but still woefully inadequate for Europe? Well, the optics of that might sound negative, but it's a fair question. Are they good enough? Are they good enough for Scotland? But then again, are they good enough for Europe as well? So we're coming up to this juncture right now where I think the majority of Celtic fans would agree that we've got enough personnel in terms of quality, to secure the league now. But we're coming up to this junction in January where we're a forward-thinking club, or at least we would like to be. Um, so what, what what's our, kind of, our priorities right now? Are we building now for 
a renewed assault on the Champions League next season. MD, what can I talk about that? And if we're going to do that, Shut then we're going to quote Ange, fast and agile transfers. Are we going to see that in January? Well, a, a famous quote from Sir Alex Ferguson uh, was something along the lines of, you always fix your roof in the summer. Um, so you don't wait till it's raining till you start fixing your roof. Um, obviously, the metaphor being you, you strengthen for a, now for a strong place. So if they bring these in and out, listen, I remember the season that Scott McDonald scored at Ibrox and we only went seven points clear in the new year and the Celtic board felt, oh, we had the league sewn up and we blew it. So if, if, if any strength work needs done, get it done and keep strengthening and strengthening. Don't rest in your laurels. Don't sit back in the wind and go, oh, we're strong enough now. Are we strong enough now? Could there be somebody better for X, Y, or Z? Um, so... Strengthen and keep strengthening, and because that's our bit, and I'm sure we'll all agree from over the years, our biggest crime has been taking the um, the foot off the throat of the Huns. You know what I mean? Sorry, I know, um, but that's been our biggest, um, our biggest uh, crime. You know what I mean? Letting them back up, so. Do you think? Um, do, do you think certain personnel have possibly learned from the mistakes here? Because as we know, Lowell's back in in, a, in an official capacity. Um, <laughs> you off it. Oh, I know but, where this is going. <laughs> well, listen, listen. The, the question is going to be asked, mate. He's he's back in an official capacity. He never went away. Um. So clearly, there's business being done whilst he's been kind of. In the party, do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no blockers being put on business, so you've got to get credit with it's due, I suppose. Um, well, I mean, again, on this podcast, we all know I'm not a big fan of Peter Lowell. Glad that we saw the back of him, um, just as Andrew's coming in the door, sort of thing. Um, I'm not happy he's coming back, but as it stands, technically, he's not in that job position yet, so let's see what happens after he actually technically comes in and give credit where it is due, as and when it's due. I love what we're doing, just back onto what Daz was saying, we're planning for the future. There's another three signings lined up before January's even started, same as last year. Get these guys in, we're forward thinking, we know that Josip's on the way out, so we're bringing in Ali Johnson. Well, well, we know well, we need the... Do we? Well, do we, exactly, no gone yet. But we're, we're forward thinking for that. We're forward thinking for the defensive midfield part. We're bringing in somebody else before we actually to terminate Idiguchi and uh, Abogard. Um the, the the whole team looks great, as Gav says as well. We're, we are in a strong position, especially domestically. It's now fine tuning it for Europe and going forward. And as Daza says, I really do agree with it. We're doing it in January, very early, actually, and planning ahead for the summer. And we want to get going as and when we're ready for it. As far as Peter Lowell's Kassin coming back into the club. I'll judge it probably after next summer. I'll still be a harsh critic throughout the summer, mind you, but I'll judge it after next summer's transfer window and give him time to actually come in and see what mess he creates. Because right now, the last kind of two years, it's been fantastic without him there. Um, is it because he's not there or is it because Ange has got that kind of persona and charisma within the club to be able to push forward early transfer deals and get players in and knows what he's trying to actually do? And will Peter Lowell then come back into the fold 
in a different capacity, but actually do things for the benefit of the club and the benefit of Ange and not just be there to say, oh, I don't think we can do that. Oh, I don't think we should do that. And actually give Ange what he needs. Let's wait and see. James, um, sorry, Daz, what were you going to say? Just on the Peter Lawwell thing there, in my opinion, um, like I made a joke about um, Ange better get used to not getting what he wants anymore. So it was quite, it's been quite good for a while. Um, we are seeing a player, getting linked with a player, getting reported, and then seeing the guy with a scarf above his head. And I'm like, Peter Law will come in and um, he'll damage all that, not mean it, but get and see a player, and then it disappears uh, before the link. So what I'm, I think, is, low is Peter Lawwell, and if he's and he's listening, he's a shrewd businessman, and he's probably he's probably a good reason why we're as strong as what we are. Um, and, and that can be debated whether we like his methods. He's the reason we are where we are, um, with the with the strength. But I think what Peter Lawwell saw and what we've all learned from the Bernard Higgins thing is fan power. Um, Bernard that Bernard Higgins thing came in and that got absolutely squashed by fans. So uh, Peter Lawwell comes in and there starts to be protests about him then his position becomes unattainable at the club. Do you know what I mean? If people start now, especially if hardcore fans start saying, listen, I'm looking back while he's still, while he's there. And there is a lot of Celtic fans. There's a lot of, no Celtic fans, there's a lot of football fans that are like that. Man United fans with the Glazers at all, you know what I mean? It's So I don't think he can do anything stupid. Otherwise, there will be a backlash. But that's 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 the other thing that I've spoken about as well, Dad. I think hundred percent agree with you. I think the guy would be half his nut to come in and try and kind of can rock the boat. But you've got the added kind of issue that well, not an issue, but you've got the added kind of thing there that he's he's that his son's actually the one of the top guys in the transfer team. You know what I mean? Is he going to actively put the blockers on him and and turn him into a kind of an anti figure? Let's see, like, or is he going to? Is he going to do? Is he going to do things that make him be the best that he is? I, I agree with that, but then you can also look at it on the flip side: Is Mark going to do what Daddy tells him to? Because he doesn't want to no. lose his job either. Uh, no, is he going to be a Daddy's listen, boy? Listen, but, Mark, Mark, Mark's what for Man City. Do you do your dad tells you to do? Used to when I was living <laughs> under his roof. <laughs> when I was living <laughs> under his roof. This, this guy's had a massive, massive job. He's had a massive career. Oh, he's definitely. He's been at the City Group, he's worked at Man City, he's been part of getting deals in like Aguero and so on. This isn't oh, no, of course, of course. I, th- I think what needs to be remembered, as much as he's been gone for the last, what, 18 months or so, he's always held some sort of position on the board for the ECA thing. So he's never really left the club, although that position was just, so he still had that role in the, Euro- in the European scene. But if... We know how these things work. We knew that Peter Lowell was leaving a whole year before he actually announced it. The rumours were swallowing around. Businesses don't just do this shit on a whim. We've not just announced three weeks ago that Peter Lowell's coming in to take over from Bankier. This has been known months ago, before this season even started. And let's really be honest, probably when he hung up his boots as the, uh, the CEO. What was he before? CEO, chairman? CEO, and now he's going to be chairman. <coughs> he probably knew this was going to happen. So in the background, he's been somewhere doing something on all this time. So he's been work, working with Ange 
I can't see him realistically coming in and suddenly changing it all up. I think it's going to be much the same, although proof will be in that, that pudding after transfer window to do as, the guy. as Paddy said. Does it all slow down? Sorry, Daz was saying, does it all start to slow down and things get dragged out with transfers? Or do we identify, scout, identify, bring the guys in, just get them on board? Some people are determined to believe that and uh, sorry, Lowell is coming in to undermine uh, Michael Nicholson and to, to turn everything upside down and to kill all progress we've made. But hang on, he's come in as a chairman, the non-executive chairman. Um, things are going well anyway. Um, we'll see what happens. But Daza does make a good point about the increase in fan power that we've seen nowadays. We've seen it with the, the European Super League that, that they tried to create and how the fans totally kiboshed that. And with, with like other protesting in England and with, with Celtic, of course, there is potential for that to happen if things go bad. Paddy? Well, see, 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 the, see, the other thing just to add on to what Daz was said, like what, what Peter Lowell did, right? I know obviously he's had these negative moments, he's had these negative issues. We've seen him penny pinch, we've seen him downgrade, we've seen this, seen that. But it was also part of building Celtic into the super club that they are going about the world. I mean, obviously, we, don't, we, we only play in Scotland, right? The league's minuscule in terms of football. But Celtic as a brand grew as a club under Peter Lowell. They did, mate. They grew worldwide. And for me, we have coming back in the now. And I'm not saying that we're signing guys for Japan simply for merchandise, but it helps. And obviously, when it comes, as I would imagine, at the start of the next season, when we go on a massive uh, tour of Japan, he'll be there. He'll be doing the networking. He'll be, put, he'll be ready to kind of jump on merchandise, jump on pulling every single bit of penny in that he can through these kind of big tours and what you what you smiling at the beginning. Lolly has got nothing to do with the shit. I looking up with Bill the Butcher in the corner. <laughs> I don't know Paddy. I generally don't know. Sorry Gavin. Um I, I can't agree with everything. I want to not disagree with you. But I can't agree with that. I can't, I can't agree that we've built our club as a statue worldwide when our balance books from the day he took over to the day he left hadn't really changed much. I know we live in this bubble of Scottish football where the TV deals and everything is absolutely shoddy and we are limited within our scope there. But only once did we see a breakout of more than 100 million turnover and we've never done it again. And all that time under Peter Lowell, we really didn't stretch that much. That was a big name in Brendan Rogers coming in and the fans spending so much money on tickets and merchandise and everything that got us to that point. He's not developed it to the way that, you know, I don't expect this to be this big, but you look at teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, <coughs> and United, they'll sell more shirts in South America than we'll sell in the whole of Europe. And this is our backdoor sort of thing. I don't think he's built us up that much. And I don't think he's done well for us in European football either. When you take from the moment he came in on the back of the, the UEFA Cup run to where he was when he left us, we're shambles. We went, I know the landscape of European football changed in that time, but it's a shambles from, you know, Paradise has been a fortress to European weapon boys. I don't think he developed us enough. He did brilliant for the balance book and he kept us in a stable position that has kept us in a strong position financially and had us in a position where we are now seeing in the last 18 months that we are able to expand out a wee bit more, but we could have been doing that 10 years ago. See, before you even get to that point though, where he's actually in the door and we're saying, look, we'll see you next summer, uh, 
like if it's a success or if it's no success. But do you know think even before that, it's just it's a kind of culture at the club, obviously coming for Desmond. I mean, we've got McManus and OD coaching our youth team. We've got Gordon Stratton's son who came up for Peterborough and nobody's going to convince me that there was any other reason for Gavin Stratton coming in other than his surname. Uh, we've got Peter Lobel's son is transferred, albeit maybe in slightly different circumstances. Lobel left and then 18 months later, he's coming back in as a chairman. What is the... Nobody's going to convince me for, for these jobs that there was a recruitment process and it just all happened to be that all roads lead back to Celtic. One hundred percent true. That, it is still that's job for the boys. One hundred percent job for the boys, and yet I don't Nepotism want to be a It is, but remember, remember Peter Lowell, nineteen ninety four. Previous to that, what was he doing? Finance director for the old board. Mm-hmm. He's been around the block with this club. He's been in the position before where he was working in Celtic where it was jobs for the boys and things were really bad before we, we, we hit the skids in 94. Thank you, Fergus, for saving the club. Can I just... But he's then come back in later on and uh, it's not been as bad, definitely not, but we're still, as James says, we're still seeing it today. There is jobs for the boys and certain people are getting positions in our club without real recruitment process. You know, had five CVs, dumped them in their draw. One of the half... Well, 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 well you're, you're, you're assuming. You're assuming. You tell us that bit. You can look at who's who's been employed in the last couple of years. It is still all the same people. The same names are getting linked all the way around. It's, right, so, it right, so, right, so there, there's 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 two names that you mentioned, James. Right, Steve McManus and Darren Day. No, I get it. Right, they played for Celtic, but they guys were at Motherwell. That's no us just recruiting jobs to the boys. We've recruited two guys that were at a club that's that's renowned for their, their kind of working with the youth and. Uh, promoting youth doing a lot and, and they two guys were under 18s coaches and apparently they're very very highly rated so for me if you're getting guys like that back in the club it's, it could be the best of both worlds it could be shite it could be nepotism it could be jobs I don't know but there's nothing to, there's nothing there for me to say that well that's what it is we're just going to simply employ Celtic guys but Gavin Strachan Gordon Gordon, Gordon John Strachan Kennedy, that's another one. I know but Gordon Strachan wasn't even at the cup and was saying Gavin Strachan so, so I think I think it I think you're going to create Semtex to get rid of John Kennedy, but I looks at <laughs> I mean, Gavin Strack, sorry, Gordon Strack wasn't at the club at the point, but we still magically managed to sign him for three months on a random, not quite director of football, director of football of all uh, aspects of the club for three months and paid him a wage for some reason. And yet at the end of it, what did he find? Nothing. Same thing happened at the same time for the recruitment process that we were led to believe was going to lead us to a manager and a director of football and a head scout and everything. We, we employed an agency to do this, and who did we come up with? Mark Lowell and Ange Postacoglu, who were now led to believe was actually Peter Lowell's bringing in, along with Mark Lowell, who already knew about him because of the whole city connection. So why did we empl- employ an agency? Why did we bring in Gam- uh, Gordon Strachan at the time? It is job for the boys. Let's not kid ourselves yeah, on um, it. Peter Lowell oh. used to be the chairman. That was his job the last time. Now he's a non-executive, chief executive, CEO. So, because believe me, I had to Google this one at the time because I had to never. I'm not. I'm stupid. I've not got a business sense of me. You know what I mean? Um. So that's what he is. He's a non-executive, chief executive officer. Um. That's his role now. And I, I see. I googled it. I still couldn't tell you what it was. Uh, two things. I'm. Not bored of the conversation, but I think we should move on. But two things. I'm going to answer what John Coyle's saying there. I'm going to just come back to what Daz said as well. 
Um, we can't always, 10 years later, keep comparing ourselves to other clubs and say, oh, if you spend a lot of money, look what happened. Clubs spend money. And most football clubs in the world are in debt to some degree. Most companies are, because it's better to be in a lot of debt than pay taxes and all the rest of it. Um, that's a, sorry, I ran off my train of thought. What were you seeing there? About he, he was the chairman. He's, he was the chairman. And Aye, he's sorry. a non-executive CEO. So this point has been brought up a few times as well as it got announced. And I just want to, I don't know if it's me, I'm, I'm saying this yourself. I, I wouldn't be on here. Do think we should sign John guys. again? Uh, I think we honestly tried to. Oh no, we've been through this before. <laughs> um, no, that, I just that, want to see about, about way, that one, I'm, not, I'm not going to mention it again, but that one is definitely on Peter Lawwell. That's 100%. Take it by the horse's mouth here. Well, I'll, I'll to be, but I think there's circumstances under it. But as far as the position that he's coming into, a lot of people have, I'm not seeing the guys here, but a lot of people I've seen online and social media and the forms and stuff would be like, oh, it's a non executive sort of position it doesn't matter it's just a title and i'll take that because i don't know fully however the way i'm looking at it is he's replacing bank here i see 18 months ago we wanted bank here and all those heads we had we had fences lifted and riots outside the stadium what's changed if bank if this is just a title that means nothing why did we want rid of bank here previously because he's taking the same position he's taking that job because he's a cunt right um, shall we put a, draw a line under that one uh, guys well, I know that we normally yes Patrick I was just going to say why don't we roll this one into the, one of the earlier points that I was going to bring in so obviously when Peter Lowell was, was, was in charge at the CEO he was always known for his shrewd deals and he's, he's put a lot of kind of transfer clauses into players leaving so I saw about the day that says that Real Madrid are preparing a fifty million pound bid for Jeremy Frimpong. So on that, oh, ah, that's that's mate, that's a reported fucking fee. So obviously, if that happens, Selig will get a chunk of change out of that because of transfer costs. Yeah, as one of the things that you have to hands down, he was fantastic for doing the, the money he got for players going out who were absolute dross was phenomenal. The fact that he gets these percentages and let's just hope it's twenty percent. Which means we're going to get ten million out of the deal. But even if it's just ten, getting five million for doing nothing, happy happy days. Get it? Happy days, happy days. Now, guys, I know that occasionally we try to do a kind of on this day feature. I read something, and I want to actually um, involve you with this. It's not actually about Celtic; it's about Belfast Celtic. I'm just going to read you a wee snippet of what I've read. I found it quite interesting. It actually made me more intrigued. I would actually like to hear about this from a, a proper historian. But back in the 27th of December in 1947, severe sectarian violence spilled onto the pitch at a Belfast Celtic versus Linfield match at Windsor Park. And that set into motion a chain of events that saw the demise of Belfast Celtic. Now, they were pretty much our counterparts in the north of Ireland. And they were built upon the same kind of ethos uh, as what we were um, for like, sporting uh, merit and for, for charity as well. And I just wanted to read a wee bit about this because I found it very interesting and I hope you, you share the same interest as what I do. Uh, so towards the end of the First World War, Belfast Celtic had broken most of the records in Irish football and things seemed set for continued dominance after World War II until disaster struck in 1948. Now, unlike their local rivals, Linfield, Belfast Celtic were never a sectarian club. 
but the fact that they and the majority of their supporters came from West Belfast and meant that derby matches were inevitably fraught with tension. Now, <clears throat> society was changing and the island was now divided and tensions were deepening between the different communities in Belfast until Boxing Day 1948, or in fact 27th um, of December. The terrace and violence had never affected the players up until this day, but on that particular match, things were about to change. Now, notably, the Belfast correspondent of the Irish Times reported that the police moved through the terraces with batons drawn to try and stamp out any disorder before the game even began. As for the match itself, Belfast Celtic versus Linfield became a scrappy affair with a player from each side being sent off, but the storm broke 10 minutes from time. With Linfield leading by a goal to nil, Celtic were awarded a penalty. As Walker stepped up to take it, Hundreds of Linfield supporters rushed onto the pitch and attacked some of the Belfast Celtic players, resulting in a broken ankle for one of the Celtic players. Now, Padraig Coyle, a Belfast writer and broadcaster, records in his excellent history of Belfast City, uh, Belfast Celtic, Paradise Lost and Found, how the club complained that the police stood by, arresting nobody, and that the IFA were wholly inadequate in its response following that day. Part of the statement said the attacking of our players was without parallel in the history of football and the protection afforded to our players was quite inadequate. So it was quite disturbing how little support they were given. But the rumours were that following that, Belfast Celtic were going to withdraw from the league and that was soon confirmed. And the team ceased to grace the competitive scene at the end of the 1948-1949 season and thereafter they only played exhibition games one of which was actually against the, the Scottish national side, which Belfast Celtic won 2-1. Now, this was a club that like, people at Charlie Tully came from. And um, just to go on, uh, da, 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 da. it was widely agreed that after that, since the departure of Belfast Celtic, Irish club football has generally never recovered from the loss. The fighting spirit seemed to go out of the game and attendances sank dramatically. Every Irish football fan wanted to see the Belfast Celtic because they knew they would see football at its best. There are no such events now, no crowds and no local team ever remotely similar in style. And the club game in Northern Ireland to the north of Ireland is dying and has been dying since 1949, despite grandstands at the international level. So I just thought that that was quite interesting and I wanted to share it with you guys. There you go. Um, I've actually, uh, I actually, I'm glad that the, normally when I come into these podcasts, I'm normally coming in blind because I just cuff it. But the Belfast Celtic thing, I've actually, well, read up and everything that you've just, I've actually read all that before. Um, so it seems like um, the IFA are pretty much like the SFA and they favour um, a team from a certain persuasion. Um, and the way it was, it was at Linfield were the, the establishment team just like their counterparts are here. Um, and it was an absolute disgrace what happened. Um, and, and if you look at, and, I, and I'm sorry, if you look at people from that sort of way, all the disorder that happens is from them losing their define, what they seem as their define right. George McCluskey scoring against Rangers in the 1980 Scottish Cup final. They've just been able to have a drink in a stadium since because they rioted because they can't handle that. And that's, and then to take it even tamer, you know what I mean? We partied at Ibrox that many times that we've only got a 700 allocation there. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's all definite wee things that they cannot handle. Um, people, they, they see us as they see us as an underclass, and they can't handle us um, being the top dogs. There's definitely uh, a mentality thing. There's, it happens in Scotland, especially the west of Scotland, but it happens in Scotland, it happens in the, the north of Ireland, and it happens even, you can see it down in parts of England. There's a mentality with certain people who are of a certain persuasion politically, ideologically, and sociology and all the rest of it, that they have this feeling, this right, and it spills into other aspects of life, such as football. But you take what Gav's just read out, especially how the, the rivalry rivalry the, the rivalry started between the clubs and you could have been talking about the two Glasgow clubs for all I knew there at that point because it sounded awfully similar that one club is there doing football for, for good reasons and want to entertain and want to do charity things and want to just play football and another team come along and go oh hold on a minute here I don't like what you're doing I'm going to be a dick to put it in kind of short words and it is very similar and my assumption has to be, and I'm blind to this as much as possible, but it's to agree with Daza that it's people of a certain persuasion seem to have this mentality. You've seen it in football, you've seen it on the West of Scotland, you've seen it on the political stage, you've seen it from the old empire. It's this mentality that some people have that just ruins it for the rest of us. I can't go on holiday half time without these people. Ruin it for the rest of us. And the moral is learn from history learn from history, otherwise you'll repeat the same mistakes. Um, so guys, we've got a game tomorrow night, Hibs, um, at Easter Road. Now, they've not beat us in a while, but we've only had, if I look at the stats here, we've only won once at Easter Road in the last nine visits. James, I know that you've said that they are that's a tough fixture on the calendar going Easter Road. Uh, what's your, your hopes? And a couple of people have highlighted it early on in the podcast that we've got a couple of people a yellow away, a yellow away from suspension. So um a bit of a tightrope there. But what's your, your hopes and expectations for tomorrow night? I don't think Hibs are any great shakes themselves. So no, I think that Lee Johnson must be on a kind of uh, on a sugarly peg. But it's just one of the places, isn't it? Similar to Almondville, we just seem to go and it's always, no matter how good or how bad we've been playing, it's always seems to be a struggle. Uh, and to be honest, I don't expect anything less than more. I think it'll be a, a right hard game. I can see maybe a wee, take a wee 2-1. Uh, with regards kind of team selection, I know obviously I've seen somebody saying about Carter Vickers been a booking away apparently. I, I, would, I wouldn't even think about resting them. We need to get to that point. I mean, worst, absolute worst case scenario is if we're we're still six points clear. It's no, it's no the end of the world. So just go full strength. Do not rest anybody. Full strength. Get the win, and then go on to the game in the second. Aye, that's the question. Do you continue with Cameron Carter Vickers, and you know it'll be a, a very, very tough game. We, we I'm more, I'm more nervous about tomorrow <coughs> than I'm about Monday. And um, as as what you just said there about. We have a 16% win rate over the last X amount of seasons at Easter Road. It's a tough hunting ground. So if we can walk out Easter Road with three points, then I'd, I'd, so to, to your Carter Vickers point, I think Carter Vickers is more important tomorrow night than he is on Monday. We can't afford to go into Ibrox. We can't afford to go to Ibrox having lost the game tomorrow. 
Um, if we lose again tomorrow, we're going to Ibrox, that gives their backup. And then all of a sudden, nine points becomes three points with the, the huge goal difference. So when it all costs tomorrow, then we then we, we hold the, we hold the cards in. We hold the cards at Ibrox. Do you know what I mean? As, as long as we don't walk away with the Ibrox de, uh, defeated, win the Mora, then we can afford a draw at Ibrox. So the strongest team, the Mora, to get to Ibrox with the ability, with, the, with our hands to play for draw. Because if, if we come away from Easter Road defeated, then we need to win at Ibrox. Yeah, I need, I need to totally disagree with these boys. Um. There's no way that we can be with the Carter Vickers or Ibrox. Not a chance in hell. See the squad that we've got, we should be able to play James and Starfield, Welsh and Starfield, somebody, the Morder, and keep Vickers, keep them safe. Because when we go to Ibrox, we're going to be met with physicality. And for me, when we're going to be getting that, we're going to need our strongest, most physical defender. And Vickers does that. And it's not just for his strength, his physicality, it's for his play, it's for his leadership, it's for everything. We're going to be it's going to be a powder keg. It's going to be an absolute cauldron, a hatred, and we're going to need our biggest players for that game. Hibs, I okay, we've got whatever success rate it is and how many games, blah, blah, blah. It's a totally different game tomorrow. I think our squad should be good enough to, to go there. No depleted, but we can certainly say, right, Vickers, sit on the bench, big man. Jens, you've not played a couple of games. There's your chance. Starfield. You take the reins. You've been in for the last three games. We've won the last three games. We get back in. Um, there's Kev Moon. I know. Uh, Welsh is a donkey. I know, mate. I know. But still, Stephen Welsh should still be good enough to go to Hibs tomorrow and play against what Kevin Nisbet, somebody like that. Um, no, it'd be, for me, we definitely, uh, definitely need Welsh for Ibrox. Uh, sorry. What do, you think, what do you think Ange will do, though, tomorrow night? Oh, he'll probably play Vickers. He'll probably play him. Yeah. And then, I, I think Ange is definitely somebody who would play your strongest team every time he can. Um, win the three points that are on the table next, and deal with the game after that when it comes around. But it'll be quite telling how Ange views certain things, i.e., the players in the squad and his trust and faith in VAR just now in the refs. If he does drop Carter Vickers for tomorrow, because I'm with Paddy. I wouldn't want to usually do this, but I don't trust VAR. And I would drop Carter Vickers to keep him safe for the second because the other three should be able to go to Easter Road and deal with this and get the three points out of it. They should be able to do it. But I wouldn't. I, I just honestly wouldn't trust VAR. I would not trust VAR not to pick up on something that involves apparently against us and they're booking to Carter Vickers or some nonsense happens and they'll be happy to oblige it. I don't care if people will be, again, like I said last week, screenshot on this nonsense from me and put me on Kerry Fail and all rest of it. You know what it's like in this country. I wouldn't risk it when it's when it's this important. When when losing I see what does seem though if you lose tomorrow night, the second becomes must win almost because you can't go into you know the third of January three points behind. Sorry, three points ahead after being nine. But I still feel the other three guys in the centre back position should be able to deal with us. They should be. Okay. What changes are we making tomorrow night, James? Aaron Moy out and out and then mm. out and uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, surely, 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 it must be grown on you, but no, mate. Mate, 
honestly, people praised him at the weekend, right? He'd done absolutely nothing. You stick James McCarthy in that team and he puts in that performance, nobody mentioned it. They, it was a bit like Starfield, I'm going into a rant here, but it was a wee bit like Starfield last year. It, it could be absolutely buying average. He had a shaky start. Everybody acknowledged they had a shaky start to his Celtic career. But then he would put in an absolutely buying average performance. Wasn't he bad? Wasn't he particularly good? But everybody praised him as if just to prove a point that he's good. There is a player there. He's got something about him. And it's the exact same with Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy, as far as I'm concerned, he's not a terrible player. I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch. But in terms of when I've seen him play and I've thought Aaron Moy was one of the best players in the park there, it was one game and it was at Fur Park and I'm sure it was in the Cup. See, apart from that, he's been poor to average, but everybody seems to follow themselves to praise him for absolutely no reason at all, and I don't get it. Everything he does, it, mate, it's like watching a replay in slow motion, and he just plays the ball backwards or sideways all the time, and I know he got assisted at the weekend because I put it in the group chat after slaughtering him, fair does, but for the most part, everything is backwards, sideways and slow. Get him out, Sharon. Do you, do you, know, then... do you, know, do you know who used to get praised for doing that all the time? Neil Lennon. Scott Brown. Aye. Neil Lennon, mate. Neil Lennon done the most. <laughs> what are you fucking laughing at? Neil Lennon done the Scott most. Simplest, <laughs> Neil Lennon done the most simplest of things. He would pass it left. He would pass it right. He would pass it backwards, and he made well, a career at it. He done the simplest things. Would you rather have your team, Neil Lennon or Aaron Moy? Aaron Moy. I agree with you. Aaron Moy. So, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare him to Neil Lennon as such of. Well, I don't think that's where we're going to go with the comparisons. I do agree with the style of the side where he's passing as Ryan Neil Lennon-esque, play the safe option before, you know, getting too fucking rush of blood to the heat sort of situation. But there's a player, I want to say it was Neil Beaton for a while, but I don't think it was. But there was a player that a while ago was so bad in his early stages of his Celtic career. I didn't think this was Neil Beaton. But it got to a point where just no having a shite game was praiseworthy enough. And it feels like that's where Aaron Moyes is. It's like, he came in in his first two or three games, he was woeful. And well, like, this is not the player we expected him to be. But it's almost like he's now came to the point where we've accepted he's going to be playing sometimes. And so long as he doesn't have a terrible game, we'll, we'll praise him a little bit and say, oh, he done no bad sort of thing. He played well, he kept the ball well, he kept possession. He re, re bloody cycle possession between the back line of the midfield. It's like, come on, we need more. We expect more. See, but see, the, the exact well, the exact opposite thing happens with James McCarthy. And look, I'm not saying I'm a James McCarthy fan. I'm no campaigning for James McCarthy to get more game time. Absolutely no. But see if James McCarthy comes in and puts in an average performance. I don't think, I know you agree, Paddy, I don't think James McCarthy's ever let us down any time he's played. He's but he gets absolutely slaughtered for some reason. And I know, obviously, it, was, it wasn't the Angie side and all that comes with it. But Aaron Moy, for me, is exactly the same. Yeah, people for themselves to, to praise him after back a one good game. Mate, mate, See, Aaron Moyes had more than one good game for Celtic. Like, I know he's not the most flash guy. I know he's no a fucking real tatty. Listen, he's playing better than Matt O'Reilly. Let's, let's not beat about the bush. Matt O'Reilly's done fuck all. No, I mean, but yet Matt O'Reilly still gets the praise. Aaron Moyes came in and he, 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 filled in, he filled in a kind of leadership gap when, when McGregor was the play. See, when Aaron Moy gets the ball, he drives forward, he brings other guys into play, he, he shields the ball. I don't think right. I've ever seen him misplace a pass. Aaron Moy doesn't drive forward. anywhere. I does. Wanders I forward does. very slowly at a push. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how fucking fast he goes. He's still going forward. He still shields the ball. He's still bringing other right, guys so into play. Right, so run forward 30 yards to pass it back 40? 
see um we well, just see the the thought Aaron Moy thing, right? The Wayne says to me the other day at the game, she goes, Who do you think Mario matches? And I knew it was between Rio Atati and Aaron Moy. And just as she asked the question, Aaron Moy put that fucking perfect through ball to Abada for Abada to set up Kyogo's goal. And I'm sorry, I went Moy. I thought Moy was spectacular on uh, Saturday and <laughs> Christmas Eve. I thought he was outstanding. Um, that is, I appreciate your opinion, but unfortunately, it's wrong. You're talking shit. By the way, by the way, I need, I need, I need to, I need, I need to answer Frank here. I was only joking about Lennon before Moy. Uh, I was talking <laughs> Lennon my team every day, but I was, I was just making the comparisons of having that. You've, you've always got that one player in your team whose job and job role is to do the simple things. It's, but it's the same as Barcelona. Barcelona under uh, Guardiola, some of their best players in that team. They never done anything fucking absolutely spectacular, but what they did was they did the basic shit so good. And that's what Moy, I'm not fucking saying Moyes is going to pass on or anything yesterday, but Moy, 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 no, I know, I know, listen, but Moy, Moy, Moy makes us tick when he plays. It might not be the most beautiful thing to watch, it might not be the most spectacular thing, but it happens and it works, everything comes into transition. And I, and he definitely gets an unfair, uh, Aaron Moy, that's a fair comment. Give McCarthy more exposure in the first team, and then we can see how reliable he is. That is a fair comment. No, McCarthy. McCarthy's had twenty-eight appearances, albeit most of them are from the bench. But he's appeared twenty-eight times in a year and a half. McCarthy's done his bit. He's no good enough. Get him moved on. I'm done with McCarthy. Well, see, the thing is, Moy is not far off it by the way, and I'm going to come this. Oh, I'll wait. Any talk? I'm going to. I'm going to bring in. Let's let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Strongest three in the midfield: McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly. When they're all on form, we've got Turnbull right. next, and then you've got Moy. Yep. We're about Mo- to sign. A, listen, we're about Aaron to sign Wacker. Aaron Moy's well ahead of Turnbull. No. So you've got three starters, and you've got He's two two well rotations. Ahead. We're about to sign it a Wacker. Who I uh-huh. let's be honest is going to become fourth choice midfielder, which is at I least going to, at least going to put Moy to fifth choice, if not sixth choice. That's where Moy is. He's no good enough. How's, how, how is Moy going to sixth choice? Because where's Moy going to go <laughs> otherwise? I'll allow you take fifth up, choice. Should be lower. <laughs> Moy, <laughs> how many how many how many games has Turnbull started this year? So since no. Moy's come in. Hatati, McGregor, O'Reilly is your starting since three. Since, since Moyes came you, in, how many games has Turnbull started? Don't know. Turnbull was injured for the first half, to be fair. Has he started, started many games in Moyes? But a, answer me. Moyes? No, answer me this. Hatati, <laughs> McGregor, O'Reilly. <laughs> Awata comes in, he's going to be fourth choice shortly. You've got to believe. So where does Moyes go? Do you think Moyes is going to keep fourth choice when we're signing Awata? Not, Not a chance. Not a chance. No, I don't bloody uh, Aaron Moy, he's got oh, me excited oh, for the ones. What you what? So I, we, the, I tell you what, Aaron Moy did. You both tell you guys don't get you excited. No, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's the Germans. It's I'll, the tell you, Germans. I'll tell you what, Aaron Moy, Aaron Moy, and James McCarthy, Dave, right? They come on and predict a league. Um, and, and that, that, who's maybe saying that any of them should be first first starters? But Aaron Moy and James McCarthy come on and protect a lead. And they do it well. I think Aaron Moy gets so much game time over everybody else purely because he's an <laughs> signing. I think that's no. obviously pretty much expected. But 
for me, you've got McGregor, Hitati, O'Reilly, and in the draft path to everybody else is far bigger than it really kind of should be. Uh, I, I would have turned all ahead of Moy personally, but it's still too big a draft path. We need to kind of bridge a gap between that. Aye. And what I was saying is we need, we need to bring in a fourth midfielder who's almost just as good as the three we've got playing right now. So we're not disappointed whenever they alternate. But whenever they do alternate, that's the problem. We're disappointed with the with the golfing quality. Aye. Um, oh, one final question. One final question. Uh, Kyogo has now scored a league goal every 78 minutes this season. But I think a lot of Celtic fans, is it still fair comment to say a lot of us would start Jack and Marquez at Ibrox? Yeah, uh, I, yes, I, but I do believe that Kyogo's the better player for Celtic when everybody's flying. I think you saw it the, uh, the first half against St. Johnston when you had the, the front three working properly. I think they all work amazing with Kyogo in there, but when they're not all in sync, it has to be a set in three to get the best out of Kyogo. But when it comes to Ibrooks, uh, I would play Giamakis. His strength, his bullying, his presence is better for, for what we're going to come up against. Kyogo will be anonymous at Ibrooks, I fear. I could be wrong. Angelo's better than me. But I think you need that outball. Without Giamakis, you've got no outball at all. I would actually go Kyogo at Ibrooks this time. Purely based off watching what I've seen of them since, uh, what's his name, uh, Bill came in. I think they struggle with the movement. The uh, Who was it they played the first game? Hibs. I mean, you look at the, the boys there, it's just a long ball at the top and the guys running behind. So, obviously, I know we'll no go long ball, but if they're struggling with the movement, then I would probably start Kyogo. And I would normally say Jack and Marcus, to be fair, but I'd go Kyogo this time. I've just asked. I've just asked the missus there who who she works in, and uh, she was like Jaya Marcus. So, as a rule, I'm going for Kyogo now. <laughs> I think for Kyogo to be effective at Ibrox, then we need to be firing in all cylinders. But because Kyogo, he can't fashion a chance on his own. He needs it on a plate, and that's going to be the cut-ins from the, the bylines. So whether you're playing like Jota and Abada, I don't know. But it needs to be put in a plate for Kyogo to, to kind of influence the game, apart from his pressing. But when he's on the ball, it needs to be put in a plate for him. Whereas Jack and Marcus, when we're like in the shit, when we need to take a bit of pressure off the defence, Jack and Marcus is perfect for that. And that happens so often at Ibrox, whether you want to admit to that or not. That, that, that's what happens, in my opinion. You remember when we won at the end of last season 2-1? Albeit we won, we picked up the three points. But we were under the cosh for a fair bit. We defended very well, but we needed that out ball. Well, see, um, see, any time I see another team, say like what Hibs done uh, at, at Bills first game, you look at their two centre forwards, uh, sorry, their, their two centre backs, whoever it might be, they're, they're, they tend to be big, ugly, fucking horrible mutations, right? But I think if you go to Ibrox with Kyogo there, and they're, they're just going to brown him out, they're just going to go right through him, they're going to kick him, they're going to space them out, they're going to do everything. But for me, you play Jack and Marcus, and any time that a forward actually goes in for a tackle with them, because in with the shooter, they go in and kind of disturb them, they crumble. So that, for me, is where Jack and Marcus should be getting played. And then some kind of formational rotation for Ange, Ange should be Shoehorn and Kyogo in there as well. 
if it's playing just after Jackie Marcus or playing just forward to Jackie Marcus, there needs to be something else done because see this one guy up against two and three and being Kyogo at five foot seven built at the side of a fiver. Hey, if I was a if I was a centre half, I'd be kicking the shit at him. So, right. Yes, chill, Paul. Big, ugly, horrible mutations, pollutions. Right. Uh, okay, guys, is there anything else? Uh, will we wrap it up or anything else you want to talk about? Who would want to fight with a pure level than Aaron Moy? <laughs> Aaron Moy, he's bald. <laughs> I've seen Ron Pastor. What's the score for the night? 3 0. 2 1. 2 1. Aye, Padfoot. Uh, <coughs> um, two and I'll say like James. I was going to say two one, but I'll go three two then. And I was surprised when James mentioned earlier that we struggled to keep a clean sheet, and I looked back quickly, and he, he's right. I think we've kept two clean sheets domestically uh, in the last two and a half three months. So I expect that we might concede a goal, especially if we've uh, so many penalties against us. But I reckon we'll score for you as well, so we'll go 4-1. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Um, um, 3 now. 3 now. And aye, 3 now. Right, okay, so There's tomorrow... Them. So there's Frank Brennan saying that we should be starting with uh, Kyogo. Angelo Tyro agrees with McGinty. Bring on Giamakis. Uh, Kev Moon, absolute legend. 2-1 Selic. Do we need another forward in January? By the way, that was another one that we were kind of talking about, wasn't it? The, the Cho G song or something, wasn't it? Aye, Korean aye. boy. Um, forever and ever. I, I think he's letting Kyogo start as well. Jim Coyle. I have looking price to it, wage-wise, for that guy. Right, okay. Just a rumour. Peter Lawler, I think. Oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. <laughs> hey, who needs show when you've got Aaron Moy? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to the end of the season when, when James, James A. Boy goes like, Do you know what? Aye, Aaron Moy's actually no bad. He's no bad. Uh, if Aaron Moy scores a hat-trick tomorrow, I'll not be, be on for a while. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell, before we go, I'll tell you my team cause for the Huns game because I'll probably not be back on because my ratio to coming on these is like use day five, Hunter, then I come on for land. So my team for the Huns game, I think I'm going to go for Joe Hart and goals. JJ, if he's still here. Uh, well, he will, he should be still here. Carter Vickers, if he's not done anything daft tomorrow night. Starfelt and then me Gregory. Um then I'll probably go for McGregor, Hatati, and I'm torn between O'Reilly and Moy. I would honest I really am I'm torn between O'Reilly and Moy. And then I'd go for Dyson, Kyogo and Jota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring on a bad as a conversation just before we do wrap it up. I wanna see that the last couple of appearances from him he actually looks like he's starting to add something to his game not massively but we've all criticized him that he's not able to take a man on properly create that little bit of space but the last couple of games there's, there's just something that i'm seeing that looks like during the break 
he, he's worked on something because he seems a lot more explosive and a lot more dangerous as he's getting into the box just now. Um, so I would definitely, I agree with Paddy earlier in the season that he needs dropped and he needed to work on stuff. But as it stands right now, I'd be playing a badder for sure. I think he's on form. I think I'd agree with that. He, he looks braver. I think he's the worst winger they've got at the club. Yet, finally, he's the top scorer of all our I'm no, listen, listen, I couldn't, I couldn't give a fuck. I've already, pra- I've already praised him for that. I've told you what his qualities are, but he's the worst winger of the club. As, as solely as a winger, if you watch him, he doesn't know what uh, to do. Uh, as a natural winger, I would agree. And the, uh, the most funny. natural best winger is James Forrest um, at the club. As an out-and-out winger. Paddy, Paddy, I love a you like a brother. A but you're talking shite. <laughs> not normal. <laughs> Love prove, prove, prove me wrong. A, a bad stats are proving you wrong. I couldn't give a fine <laughs> fuck about the stats. And tell, ah, tell that being in the back at all. He's rubbish. No swearing. He's rubbish. No, he, has, he, he, has, he has a good B player. Again, when he's not got the ball, when he's got all the space to run and ghost. He's, he's, a, he's a dangerous wee guy, but similar to Maeda, when they're on the ball, they're not that good. Technically, they're not good players. He, he doesn't take a man on. He's not got much skill. He kind of dallies. He's, he's, his brain ratio, he, his feet's down when he's on the ball. Doesn't seem to be in tandem, if you ask me. Um, but again, I, I see what his qualities are, but nah, no for me. I don't like him on the wing. Mm. And by the way, that, that comment for Frank Kennedy, um, it's too easy. Like, I agree with you. It's too easy to take Kyogo out of the game. Um, and that, that's probably going to happen at Ibrooks. He's got the physicality of a child, unfortunately. Mm. And the wrists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what it is? No, I've I seen a photo of him. He must have had Kobayashi at the, at the, the Ferris wheel fucking at Christmas. And he was taking a photo of himself and he was wearing like one of the, the birds, like sheepskin coats. Sorry, birds, uh, females jackets. That's like a sheepskin coat. And Kobayashi's taking a photo of him, taking a photo of himself. And honestly, mate, see his wrists. Like he's, he's got like, like women's wrists. So like, I'd be looking at him, see if I was a centre half, I'd be like, I'm smashing you. You're getting half in two. No, I mean, but then a big Jack Amakis is running at me. I'm like, oh, here, by the way, I'll need to can force myself here. Uh, you can't force yourself in Jack and Marcus. No. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right. Uh, the morning night, Hibs, uh, we've got predictions. I hope we all enjoy the game. It's going to be on Sky Sports. I don't know if it's... I think it's going to be 8 o'clock. I think it's an 8 o'clock kick yeah, off Sky Sports. And uh, I hope we never... I'm, back. Still, I'm still hopeful I'll be there. Have you got a ticket? Well, I've been told that there's, I'm on the I'm on the waiting list, and if I get a phone call tomorrow, then I'll be there. So I'm so hoping. Fingers crossed. Right, guys. Anyway, as we said, hope you all had a lovely Christmas to the viewers. Thanks very much for tuning in. Apparently, we've only had four uh, likes, so go on and hit that thumbs up button, please. Otherwise, I'll be really upset. Um, but I. Gavin's hey, we'll from back. Uh, hey, hey, hey. uh, here, here, guys. All best.